0: Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the FT Advisor podcast. I'm Damien Fantato, digital editor of FT Advisor. Advisors, clients, and journalists are all stuck at home. Many will have worries about their health, their jobs, their families, their friends. As economies around the world are put on ice, markets have responded by plummeting. So how can advisors lead their clients through these troubled times without causing them more anxiety and without encouraging them to make bad decisions? This week, we're going to discuss how behavioral finance can help advisors. And with us are Greg Davies, Head of Behavioral Science at Oxford Risk. Hello, Greg. Hi, morning. And Saab Jahal, a financial planner at Sanlam. Hello, Saab. Good morning, all. Once again, this is a socially distanced version of our podcast, so please bear with us on the sound quality. And as a final bit of housekeeping, if you have any questions about our podcasts and their content, or have any ideas or feedback, please email uh, ftadvisor.podcast at ft.com. Also, if you like what you're hearing, please do rate and review us on whichever platform you use to listen to us. So let's get cracking. Greg, this is obviously a very unprecedented time. Unlike any sort of economic downturn that's potentially happened in, in the past, what particular challenges does this pose for advisors?
1: Well, I, I think one of the main things here is that it's just the sheer number of people who are going to be stressed about a wide variety of issues at the same time. So, of course, uh, investors are going to be worried about um, you know their investment portfolios and the fact that the market is crashing. But add to that, everyone is also concerned about health issues, about social distancing, etc. And I think this puts a massive premium on good communication very rapidly in a hyper personalized way with a very wide set of clients in other words the, the pressures on advisors to say the right thing to every client very quickly are extremely high right now
0: and Sab, do you feel that
1: pressure?
2: yeah you know without kind of sounding like um you know, captain obvious here is that the you know the biggest challenge that clients are facing is the uncertainty that that this has brought and i think from a behavioral point of view the coronavirus is affecting the psyche in, in in a number of different ways because you know we haven't had a situation where world markets have been as aggressively affected um by a virus and so no matter how you know, in experienced you are no matter how long you've been in the market we've got nothing really to anchor back to um and i think that you know that's causing anxiety for clients and because it, because it's a genuine step into the unknown you know we're familiar with the term of, you know, better the devil, you know, and, and in this case, no one can really say that they've been through something similar. So downsides in, in, in clients' minds are, are going sort of full doom, doomsday scenarios. So I think, you know, it's it's a very tough time for people who are in isolation as well. You know, we're used to being in a community um, and and based in society that way. And so you know we're seeing anxieties that perhaps aren't just market related
0: and how have you been meeting that um, issue that greg mentioned of hyper personalized communication very quickly basically
2: well the key is 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 communication at the moment and and making sure um that you you know you're educating clients about the situation because i think you know what we're seeing is 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 clients are not only worried about the market they're also worried about their family's health and we're hearing a lot about deaths and deaths in, in itself, it's a hugely emotive subject. So, you know, if clients are, are worried about the health of them and their loved ones and also stressed by, by market down drawdowns, it, it creates a situation where emotions are running extremely high. And I think what we have got to do as advisors is be the voice of reason and, and educate clients to, to some degree about their own biases that may be causing them to have these feelings of anxiousness. And ultimately is through communication, is to stop them making sort of short term decisions and get them to think about their long-term goals.
0: Greg, is there an element to which contacting clients might be counterproductive? I mean, I'm thinking, for example, if you if you suddenly get a phone call from your doctor, even if it's just yeah. to, to say hello, how are you, you might think, oh, what's happened? Something's something's gone wrong catastrophically wrong.
1: Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And you know, one of the one of the best things that investors can do at times like this is to stop paying attention to the day-by-day details of what the markets are doing and anything that brings them back to focus on that is potentially harmful and I think this is one of the areas where the standard advice processes are extremely ill-equipped to deal with times like this because the right response for each individual is very different based on a number of aspects of who that person is based on their their financial personality. And typically speaking, the the processes in advice, the suitability processes, will kind of be focused on the long-term, what's your long-term willingness to trade off risk and return? What is your long-term capacity to take risk? And what matters right now is not those things at all. It is aspects of people's financial personality that speak to what and how they are going to be made more or less comfortable about, about certain certain issues. And those tools, although you know they exist, we, we build them at Oxford Risk, they're still relatively new to the industry. And sadly, you know, most firms don't yet have access to them. Those are the things that can help you to assess at scale who do I say what to now and how do I avoid prompting someone to go and look at their portfolio when for them, that's exactly the thing that we shouldn't be doing.
0: Uh, Would you agree with that, Sam?
2: Yeah. 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 I think, you know, education, I think is is crucial, but also understanding the type of client that you're dealing with, because I think it's easy for advisors sometimes when they first meet a client to miss their biases, to miss what this client is really about, because, you know, if you're if you understand what your client's biases are, just because it's an irrational bias, necessarily, it doesn't mean that we we can't predict it and try and hit it off become before it becomes an issue. Because, you know, I've I've had clients before say to me that look we're waiting for a fund to break even before they sell. And, you know, advisors may miss that and think, well, we don't need to address that. But realistically, we should be there educating the client and saying, well, you know, the market doesn't care what your entry point is, we've got to be looking at this As whether this particular um, position offers you value or not, and so it's it's having that understanding of what type of client that you're dealing with. And I I take Greg's point there is that we've got to understand what the different um, ways of dealing with with a particular client must be dependent on the way that they they process information.
0: So, Greg, what particular lessons can advisors take from what's happened over the past few weeks? Well, I think the, the
1: first and the most important one is is preparation. It is extremely difficult in times of stress, in times of crisis, uh, to suddenly now understand your client's financial personality or to now suddenly try to talk them off the ledge or to persuade them to stay calm. Uh, This is, you know, we can say things that will help, certainly, Um, we can help to guide people towards better decisions rather than worse decisions. But it is very difficult once the crisis has started to remove the emotional and stress component from decision making. So I think if there's one thing that advisors should take from from this for the future, it is that preparing clients ahead of time, that these things are not just uh, possible, but are inevitable. There will always be another crisis. There will always be another time when markets plummet, and it might not be because of a pandemic. But these are things that we should be preparing clients for emotionally well ahead of time and we should be preparing contingency plans and putting that in place so that when it happens we don't have to make decisions from scratch in the heat of the moment we are instead we can instead go uh you know mr and mrs client we have spoken about this before it's a situation that we've dealt with we have understood your financial personality on multiple dimensions and we've been through this we're prepared for this we've got it because those are the things that preparation is what helps people to make good decisions in in these times. It is very difficult to do it uh, to turn on a dime and suddenly have a very different conversation than the one that you've been having over the previous years. Uh, would you agree with that,
2: Sam? Yeah, and, and and just just adding to that is you know something that advisors, you know we talk to clients about risk uh, a lot, and you know nowadays risk profilers that we do try and elicit you know more emotional response from clients. But I think we've got to be more. Explicit and 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 yeah, you know, it, it's easy for a client to say that they'd be happy with a thirty percent drawdown when you know the sun's shining and markets are great and, and and a downturn seems completely unlikely. But I think you know when we're actually in the midst of a pullback, their view may well be be different. Um, and, and certainly, I think what the last few weeks um, has shown us is that the economic outlook it can spin on a sixpence. And with that in mind, I think what we should do is, is encourage clients to be be open to change and adapt the way that they go about things. Because, you know, if you have the, the mindset that I want everything to go back to how it was as as, as quickly as possible, we know that might take years. It, it, we may never even get back to that level. So to ex- accept this as a, as a new normal, what we want to help clients do is, is to help them proactively adapt to things um, quickly. You know, we've seen people at home now used to going to the gym. Being much more creative with your home workouts—it's it's the same with your finances. You know, we can—you may have in the past had a traditional sort of investment style or, or, or favored certain sectors, but you know, being more adaptable within the portfolio—it certainly helps when um, when things are more volatile.
1: Yeah, I was just going to say uh, uh, on that comment. I mean, this is a time when suddenly something matters that didn't matter before, and that's the quality of your of your profiling. So any brisk any profiling tool that's asking questions like how would you feel if your portfolio dropped 30% is absolutely not fit for purpose. Those, are, those are, are completely inadequate to measure what we need to measure. So I think we need to be very careful about this and the profiling tools can be very, very helpful, but they need to be grounded on real robust sort of psychometric uh, data and, and, and empirics. Uh, we need to avoid these sort of gimmicky game versions that claim to measure your personality and your emotions but really are there more for, for client engagement uh, rather than anything else um just just to add you know one of the things that we have provided we've made completely for free available to all investors and all advisors in this time is a sort of emergency kit version of our financial personality assessment that is available to anyone to go and assess those dimensions of your personality that matter most at times like this And that will help you to understand how to navigate your decision making as an individual in in these markets.
0: And Saab, I guess um, the implication of what we've been discussing is that clients are going to be much more equipped to get through this if they've been with a financial advisor for a longer period of time. And the financial advisor has had that opportunity to sort of drill in that message rather than if they've, for example, been with a financial advisor for six months or so. Has that been your experience maybe?
2: yeah and i I think during times like these focusing on the long term is is absolutely crucial because you know we do a lot with clients at the beginning of the process of putting a plan together and saying well you know this is what we are looking to do over you know 5 10 15 in some cases 25 30 years and um it's easy to become short-termist when things are, are, are not going well and obviously you know this is creating a lot of stress on people and i think the best way and it's our duty as advisors, is to really go back to clients and make them understand and let them see why we are doing what we're doing in the first place yes this is a blip but over a, a 20 year time period this is what we expected to happen you know we we we've all been in the markets long enough to know that we are going to see big drawdowns at some stage it's very much part of the journey of investments that you will see um you know pullbacks every every decade at, at some stage and so Yeah, communication with with clients and getting them to to relate back to why we started the process in the first place, I think, is always useful.
0: And Greg, are there any particular sort of do's and don'ts that you would recommend for advisors, specifically as they relate to this sort of environment, but also maybe in general?
1: Yeah, I mean, I absolutely agree with that point that just getting people to get their heads out of the weeds, to to look to the long term horizon is is vital. It's not always easy, though. So I think... um, one of the things that is very important to realize is that people get very stressed when they feel uh, unable to do something in times like this. So telling people don't panic, telling people just sit tight, don't do anything whilst it may be very good advice actually is often counterproductive from a, from a behavioral perspective. So there are a few sort of tools and techniques that you can, you can get to, Uh, you need to be giving people things to do that, that are small steps in the the right direction. Uh, And things like that could be, one, use this as an opportunity to take stock. Get people to sit down and think, well, you know, what were my financial goals when we last sat through this? Let me think about how those might have changed. And that has two benefits. One is it gets people doing something that isn't panicking and selling. Two is it gets people focusing on the long-term rather than the short-term. Another one would be, you know, what's really important right now is focusing on what you can control. You cannot control the spread of the virus short of your own you know, immediate activities. You cannot control whether the markets are going up and down. What you can control is prudence. You can start to think, well, let me let me tighten my own belt. Look, Let me look after my own spending a little bit more now than, than at other times. Because by doing, doing so, I'm making myself more resilient. So try and focus people on positive, practical things that they can do that enables them to feel that they are being proactive with and at the same time sort of avoiding the, the knee jerk or the panicked reactions
2: and um, well i think one thing to, to to that can really help with getting clients out of the weeds as such is is to think get them to think about what the recovery will look like you know once peak infections have passed and the world will return to some level of of, of normality you know most investors will hark back to to the gfc in, in 2008 and you know, ultimately we recovered and went on to see new highs after that. And I think it's sometimes very, very easy to lose perspective and focus very much on the here and now because you know ultimately we're living it um, right now. But I think if you can actually think about the recovery, it will change clients' thoughts, their their feelings about the process. And again, you know, you, we're thinking about the long term goals uh, and not being myopic.
1: Absolutely. I, 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 you know, one more to add: we're all social distancing now; we're isolating ourselves from other people. But as investors, I think we should also be isolating ourselves from short-term market data and details. We need to put a distance between ourselves and the day-to-day deluge of information coming in because that's the stuff that drives and increases anxiety and that's the stuff that leads to knee-jerk reactions. So practice information isolating as well as people isolating.
0: So on that issue that um, Greg mentioned of uh, not telling people to panic, do you, um, would you agree with that?
2: Well, most certainly, because, you know, if you tell someone to panic, what do they do? You know, it's, it's, it's <laughs> the, the natural reaction is that. Uh, um, and so, you know, I, I think, again, it, it's the communication is that we've been with clients, you know, in, in some cases, you've got really good long term relationships. You will understand the way that the communication needs to happen right now. And I think that, um, yeah, that is the crucial point here is making sure that we're, we're one in touch with, with clients, but also that we understand how they need the information delivered to them. Um, because if we do that effectively, and there is no no need to panic. Because you know, as advisors, we should be able to, to 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 communicate with our clients in a way that you know, we're not trying to persuade them not to panic, is that they understand the reason and rationale why they shouldn't panic.
0: On, on that issue of different forms of communication, um, obviously, Greg, um, advisors frequently meet their clients face-to-face. Which might, um, I suppose, that some might find more reassuring. Um, obviously, advisors can't do that now. Is, is there a way of communicating that's a better replacement for that than others? I mean, I, Zoom calls are being used widely, phone calls.
1: Well, I, I think we're we're all on various forms of of Zoom and phone, etc. A couple of things that I think become important. One is the clarity of communication becomes. Much, much more important, and it is very much more easy to misunderstand or misinterpret people's intentions and, and people's thinking in in these distance communications. So, um, you know, one one thing is that we should all uh, practice is um, assume positive intent with what people are saying. We have to give people a little bit more emotional latitude. Um, by assuming that their intent is positive of what they're saying rather than getting emotionally worked up about things. And I think that that is very important. Another thing, I think there's a potentially long-term value coming out of this, which is it raises the importance of clear written communication. I actually think that, uh, in general, we have not, uh, that, that that people don't practice enough written communication very clearly right now. And in times like this, if you really want to make sure that you're understood clearly, if you really want to make sure that your thoughts are written down or uh, are, are transferred clearly, then actually writing things down is uh, a mechanism that we should be using more rather than less at these times.
2: Yeah, well, yeah. You know, from my experience of um, having to do a lot of uh, client meetings, as you say, via via Zoom and and, and various other platforms, I think you know one thing is that that we've we've seen is that everyone has pulled together and very much been. Kind of forgiving of the fact that things are difficult at, the, at this moment in time and, and because of that you know we've we've been very much ab- about trying to do things collaboratively with clients and yeah you know, I, I think there will be some positive elements i take greg's point there about i think written communication um will be better after this because ultimately ultimately it needs to be but i also think that there's going to be some changes that you know client we will be able to do client meetings um via Zoom because both client and advisor are still getting value from it. So uh, long may that continue.
0: Well, it's uh, definitely going to be a um, an interesting few months, weeks, however long it lasts. Greg, uh, thank you very much for taking part. Uh, Sam, pleasure. Also, thank you very much for taking part. No problem, thank you. And thank you very much for listening and stay safe and uh, tune in again for the next edition of the FT Advisor podcast. Thank you.